Welcome to the show up dad. This is a podcast for hardworking fathers looking to level up their fathering skills and be more than just a paycheck or provider for the home. I'm pleased to welcome none other than Ryan Lucas. He is the founder and host of the Powerline podcast. He's a second generation lineman, a father of three, two boys and one girl, and has been in the trade in various forms for 21 years. He is currently employed with Quanta Energized Services. Hey brother, welcome to the show up where men show up to get their JSA to ignite that fire for father engagement. Yeah, buddy. I'm stoked to be here. I'm, I'm very grateful that you um, invited me on your show. Uh, I've been on the other end of the mic a couple of times now. And honestly, I, I'm more comfortable in your seat. I'm more comfortable as the interviewer. So let's just uh, see how this goes. <laughs> right on, bro. Thank you once again for coming aboard, bro. Can I have you give our listeners an overview of yourself professionally and non-professionally? Yeah, for sure. So like you said, second generation uh, lineman. Um, my father was a lineman before me. Grew up in a small, um, it was a forestry and mining town in central British Columbia, Canada. Um, my father and mother moved up there just prior to me being born. So I spent a good majority of my early life in Williams Lake, small community, like I said, just a real rough kind of small, small town, small town live and small town growing up. Grew up playing ice hockey and ice hockey in the winter times and um, dirt biking in the summer and did that kind of repetitively for 16, 17 years until I got my driver's license and it was sell the dirt bike to get a truck and kind of never looked back from there. But yeah, my, uh, my father started a power line company in that town and, and grew it to something quite substantial and ended up doing fairly well when he turned that over and sold it and, and moved on. So spent my life around linemen and yeah, like I said, playing ice hockey and riding dirt bikes. Mm, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's really awesome to see that your father had that much influence in your life. You know what I mean? How was your guys' dynamic growing up? It was like, it, I looking back on it and talking to the people that I have talked to, it is very um, like as blue collar as you could expect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my dad worked extremely hard. Like it was rough, like rough times through the 80s and 90s. I was born in 81. So going through the 80s and and 90s, starting up a small business in a small community, um, it was often like literally trade chickens for power lines, you know, like, here's some eggs, if you can help me with this and that, like it growing up, it was like that. Um, There was a couple of like tight recession times. So I witnessed that and witnessed the family going through that. And and it wasn't just my father that um, put all the work in. My mom was man, like she was a trooper. She, she ran the business with my father, um, ran the, the kind of the office, the admin side of things, the payroll, the, all of that side of it. Dad bid the work, ran the jobs and, and that, and then mom was also looking after the family, like looking after us, us kids and making sure we had food on the table and just doing all that stuff that, that moms do. But the thing that really got me was they, they would often have to bring in line workers um, and instead of paying them a per diem or a living out allowance, just because it was hard to get 
you know, Lyman in a small community at a, in a small, uh, small uh, business in a small community like that we'd often have to put them up at our own house and mom would feed them too and give them room and board for like you know could be months at a time so um yeah my father was around when he needed to be and very grateful for that he spent a lot of time with us kids in things like coaching us playing ice hockey um Mm -hmm. was very dedicated and committed to that he was always there never missed a game never missed a practice often went above and beyond to um, help the team and and the kids in the community too you know one time bought a school bus and completely renovated it just so the team had a hockey bus to travel on and we decked that thing out with big speakers and (laughs) all that stuff roll into roll into these small communities pumping metallica and (laughs) acdc so it was it was good stuff we had a good we had a good relationship growing up that's pretty cool to see that he was involved that way you know what i mean just from i mean just buying that van you know what i mean he did that for all of you guys you know and yeah i think that's that's such a such an amazing thing to see, you know what I mean? And it's awesome to see that even though he was running that company, right? Even though he was busy, he was committed, literally, I mean, I know what it takes to to run guys, you know, I've been a foreman and stuff like that, you know what it takes, you know, that's, you know, say, for instance, there's five guys, right? Mm -hmm. That's five sets of problems. That's five steps of, or, you know, five different types of personalities and stuff like that. And for him to be able to deal with that, welcome them into the family. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty heroic of him to do that. You know what I mean? That's awesome. You know, that was always his, that was always his gift to the world. If you want to call it a gift to the world or his, his superpower is Mm. he's a very um, HR driven human. And what I mean by that is he really cares about the people. Um, whether they're the people working for him, just the people around him, family, friends, it's like you're all family. He, he actually, so a lot of those kids that he ended up, um, you know, that he grew, that, that he kind of raised through hockey and coaching, he ended up having the opportunity to get a lot of those guys into the trade, into the power line trade. There was a good number of them. If I had to just take a stab in the dark, between six to to nine of us that we grew up together playing hockey and stuff ended up in the line trade um it was all a result of him you know believing in us and bringing us through and and giving us that opportunity too so like yeah very 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 good man Hmm. when you said hr i mean that you know it brings up a thought that i was reading about you know i've been learning about leadership and stuff like that and uh, john maxwell always talks about how in leadership you know, you got the leaders that are established. That's like your first level of leadership. You do what they say because they have a title. Okay. Sure. And you go on through the different levels of leadership and your father, I think falls in the place, which, which is like the third or fourth, which is people follow you because they know you care. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what your father exhibited. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he, he got to know them on a personal level. You know what I mean? For sure. He was a servant leader. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, if you've read Maxwell, like you have, or studied him and most mm-hmm. other um, advanced leadership coaches and mentors out there talk about um, leaders, like as a leader, you work for the people under you, mm-hmm. even though on a, on a seniority line or on a, on a job board, they're below you, so to say, mm-hmm. but you really work for them. They don't work for you. And that's the way he always approached it. Like he would come to you and be like, well, what can I do? 
what can I do to serve you? Like, you know, he didn't use those words or that terminology, but that was his approach to it always was, what can I do for you to help you do what you need to do? Because mm-hmm. in turn, that's going to make me better. That's going to make my business better. That's going to make my life better. It, mm-hmm. And he just takes that approach to life. Like that's why he's like a, he really is a true leader. Both him and my mom are, are true leaders in that way. They, they're very servant minded and servant hearted. Mm. And I think you could convey that back to even being a father, right? You know, a servant leader, because, you know, if 100%. you start putting the needs of your family first, you know, everything else is going to fall in line. You know what I mean? It's going to fall into an alignment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's amazing brother on that. You know what I mean? I want to go ahead and ask you something. With all that you got going on, right? You're a busy man, Ryan. Okay. So what do you do to keep involved in your children's lives? Can you share with the audience? Yeah. So last couple of years have been difficult. I'm, I'm in the process of going through a separation to divorce and, you know, like that, it's just always a struggle then there's no playbook for it. Like, you know, lots of people have gone through it, but everyone's circumstance and situation is just different. It's just the way it's going to be. So what I, I, I just try to be as involved. I try to make every moment with my kids as the best that it can be. And it's difficult because sometimes I, I think, well, this conversation that I got to have with you is going to have to wait till a later date where you're old enough to understand what I, what I need, what I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it's hard to do that because you have to like, you have to like almost postpone the conversation that you want to have right now because you want them to know, but they're just not on that level mm-hmm. that they would understand. So I just try to make, I do try to make every moment with them just the best that it can be. You know, I try to serve them the best I can and show up for them when they need me to show up for them. Like a lot of things they're not going to understand because I do have to work. I do have to keep busy in order to, you know, provide the life that, that I, that they're, that they're experiencing, but Mm -hmm. some of that they might not understand. Like dad, why are you so busy? Dad, why are you on your phone all the time? You know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, let me show you. I try to show them. I try to keep them as involved. Like, look, I'm trying to grow a business and it involves me being on my phone. I'm not just, I'm not just here checking Instagram all day for no reason. If I'm consuming Instagram, I'm trying to consume it to learn. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. learn, you know, how to build, how to build content, you know, and how to put that content out in order to try to grow a business as well as, you know, be present in the the company that I am in, you know, like those sorts of things. So I just try to be present with them as much as I can. Mm. It's, it's just simple as that. Mm, yeah. And I, I like what you said on that too. Cause um, one of the other past guests we had on here, Andy Marr talked about, you know, he's, he's got all these things going on, right? He's got warrior angels foundation and stuff like that. Um, and he talked about how he had to, cause he's a brand, right? Just like you, sure. you know, you're a brand, just like I'm a brand. I'm the show up dad, your power line podcast, you know, and that's our name. And that's what we're doing when that's what we're putting out there. Right now, with that being said, he said he started incorporating his family. You know what I mean? He started letting the kids know, Hey, when I got a podcast, this is what, you know, and he got them on board by communicating to them. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like a a family deal. They're like, okay, daddy's on the podcast. We got to be quiet or whatever. You know what I mean? And I I thought that was pretty awesome that he did that. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I'm starting to do too. I'm starting to utilize time blocking. You know what I mean? And 
when that time is set for, you know, looking for content, that's what I do. And then I have that time to, you know what I mean? Freed up to when it's just with your kids. Okay. Phones off. You know what I mean? And I think it takes that discipline to be able to do that. You know what I mean? I really like that. I I've, um, I've also been very transparent with them when it comes to all of this. And I say more than I should, but it's like, I like that approach. I think that they're going to benefit from that as life goes on. So I'm like, we'll get in the car as we're driving back to my house from their moms. And I'll just like, blah, blah, blah. This is like, I'll talk about money. I'll talk about the podcast. I'll talk about like, I'm just very open with, with it all business, what I'm learning. Like I'm not hoarding anything. Like I'm learning business, um, like very grassroots. I, I didn't, though my dad owned business, it was not something that I thought about doing. I, I was just going to be a lineman, you know? Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking more like, Hey, I like this business idea of business. I'm going to explore this, but I'm grassroots learning it. So I'm sharing them what I, what I'm learning. I'm sharing with them or trying to just keep open and talk. Even if it seems like they're not listening and they're on their phones, they're paying attention to it. I know mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. And then one other cool thing I, I started with my little girl, she's six years old and uh, the boys aren't too into it now. They're, they're a little older, 16 and, and 14. So they're kind of hitting the teenagers, uh, teenage years, but my little girl, she's just a goer. It's like, she's down for whatever, whenever. Mm-hmm. And so I started just doing a podcast with her. I just, I, I come down to the studio and we sit down and, um, I flick on Adobe, you know, and I start recording and I I just record our conversation and I talk to her about her life. And I talk to her about what she's into, like, um, what TV shows she's into, what she's, what she's feeling around Christmas time, those sorts of things. And I record it all. And I'm just saving those, those audio forms. And, the hope is like to teach her how to do something like this and to Mm -hmm. empower her to do something like this in the future, but to get her thinking about it now while she's young. So it's, it's, it's been a really cool little bonding time to incorporate her into what daddy's doing podcasting. And so she goes around talking about it and it's, I don't know, it's really neat. It's, it's been neat for me to experience that. And I think it's been neat for her too. Mm -hmm. No, I think, you know what, I I think I'll try that with my daughter because one of the things I've been doing now is she's learning how to drive, right? She's Mm -hmm. um, 14 years old. Okay. So I'm teaching her how to drive and everything. And when her hands are busy, she's open and apt to be able to listen to what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So she's driving and we have our conversations and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a really great time for me able to, to bond with her, you know, being that I was gone eight years out of her life, you know, time that I can't get back. So it's really cool. And I want to try to incorporate that because she's always interested in daddy, what are you doing on Instagram? And, you know, and they ask, Yeah, you know, so I, I think that's cool. Thanks for that. Plus you're, you're you teaching know. them one more thing on that. Like you're, t- you're teaching them to get started on something mm-hmm. and you're never perfect from the beginning. Like I, I have 65 episodes myself and a couple more, like I, I am still learning every time I turn this mic on about communicating and about um, interviewing and things like that. And so like, you're not going to be good at the beginning. So if we could work all of that out of her now Mm -hmm. at six years old and get her comfortable doing something like this, like it's, I try to tell people like, just start, just start a podcast. Everybody knows, everyone has a network. Everyone has a subject or a topic that they're interested in talking about. So just record it and put it out there. Like, it's no big deal. You don't have to have millions of followers, mm. you know? No, and it, it, 
the thing I found too, with just this podcast and stuff like that, cause I never thought about this. I mean, this time last year, I was still working in the mountains, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, this thing's just really blown up and, um, thank you for all the support and listeners, you know what I mean? Out there. But, uh, so back to what I was saying, um, you're right. You never know everything, you know what I mean? And it, people like to talk, you know, I've had some guests on here that are just like, man, thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, no, dude, I really needed to talk about that. I feel better. It was like a load lifted off their shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure. if you could just reach that one person, I mean, that's all what it's all about. You know what I mean? I'm trying to bring as much value as you are too, back to the community that we love. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that, that was awesome. That is a good way to like, get that you're you're 100 right that might be the only time that that per- person's ever really opened up about it because they were actually you know confronted with the question in a professional way like this and it made them open up made them feel you know able to open up about it that is cool mm-hmm. and one of the uh man i heard a quote the other day i thought it was awesome it said if you want to be a game changer be at peace with who you are your authentic self and that's so true you know what i mean Mm-hmm. be you, you know, yeah, you have to, especially if you're podcasting, you know, Joe Rogan says it, said it multiple times on, on his show. Um, there's no way doing long form content like this conversations that he can fake who he is anyway. Like mm-hmm. he's like, I am who I am. This is me. Like, there's no way I can fake, fake it for this long on air, <laughs> you, you, you got me. So I might as well be, might as well be authentic or you're going to be able to point it out pretty quick. <laughs> that's awesome. Joe's Joe's an, that's an awesome podcast. <laughs> what are some obstacles, right? That you had to overcome to be committed. Obstacles that I had to overcome to be committed. Um, well, we could get, we could talk a little bit about um, my 14 year old son, uh, Hudson, he, right from a, right from an early age, um, his mom and I recognized right away that, um, he was struggling with a learning disability and we weren't sure what it was, but it was pointed out very quickly, like straight out of kindergarten, as soon as you hit grade one and you have to start, you know, learning the reading process. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's when it was very quickly identified that he was struggling with reading. So, like I said, grew up small town. Um, and this small town, it has, it, it has a few reasons for having, um, like a lot of social issues, Never mind learning disabilities. So the public school systems are, are flooded with social issues and it's hard to even get through the social issues to get to the, the kids with the learning disabilities. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause this, the social issues tend to grab more attention just because yeah. that's the nature of it. Um, so it was hard. To, it was, it was hard to, and it, and right away had no help. Like there's no, for things like, and this was a, this was a number of years ago. So there's no financial help from say like government, government entities, or if there was financial help from government enter- entities, it was a big application process to get that funding and things like that. So very quickly just had to make decisions on like testing, like, see, let's see what this, let's see what this really is. So there's funding for things like back in the, that time, it might be better now, but back in that time, um, autism and things like that, but not for things like dyslexia 
We weren't quite sure that that's what it was yet at that time. We had to get it tested, but we wanted to run these tests. And even at that, like, you know, it was wait three years for the government to pull through and, you know, go through the testing that way. But three years of going through, you know, school with a disability like this that you can't quite figure out is long, just too long. Mm -hmm. So we decided to pay for it ourselves, but there, you know, there you go. That's, you know, 3,000, 4,000 bucks to go through this, this gamut of testing, find out that he's severely dyslexic, like severely uh, dyslexic. So, um, incredibly intelligent and brilliant mm. kid. This kid is a, he's a builder and a creator and like most, like most dyslexics, um, very creative. They, they learn to adapt and overcome and usually end up excelling in life. It's just this structure of the way the world is built, um, learning <laughs> that doesn't suit them. Mm -hmm. So we had a decision to make and we, we decided to pack up and move from the small town down to the big city of Vancouver in British Columbia. It's the biggest city in BC uh, by far. And one of the, you know, one of the largest in Canada. So we moved down here to get him in a special school, but again, no funding. We got to make this decision. Not only are we moving from a small town, so, you know, small town housing, everything, everything, small town living, small town housing prices, um, cost of living way less than the city of Vancouver is like one of the highest cost of livings in the world. Mm. Um, so we moved down here and try to figure out what to do and get him in a special school down here that just was dealing with that. But all said and done four years later, being very transparent, you walk away with, uh, you know, $120,000 out of your own pocket. That's gone towards taking a chance on like new technology, you know, trying, trying to help him, um, figure this out and get help basically. And yeah, so obstacles to overcome, there's one obstacle I had to overcome, you know, like that's one way I had to commit to my son and commit to the family that um, we're going to do everything we can to help, help him out. And so, yeah, we moved down to the city and took that leap. Hmm. Man, thank you for being transparent and sharing that, bro. I really appreciate that. Um, I read in an article that men who have a child or children with special needs, right. That the challenges can be overwhelming. Okay. Now with that being said, okay. None of us were born with the information that we need in order to navigate through that territory. Okay. What main advice can you give to dads in similar circumstances that you've walked through? Advice would be, I would, I would do it again. So just, just, just do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, act quick try to try to just do the best you can knowing that there there is no playbook for it like i said earlier too like there, there is no playbook for this and mm -hmm. you have to take chances and just hope that it really works out and also not even just hope that it works out but understand and believe in the path that you're on and that you're just going to go down this path and it's the path that you're needed to go down anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what happens in the end just happens in the end, regardless, just to take the moment and invest in that and, and to invest in your kids, like, and take that chance. And 
you know, even if they don't see it tomorrow or see it the next day or see it the next year, one day, they're going to get it. They're going to understand what you did for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it might mean that it takes you away from them. Like, you know, when you're faced with something like $120,000, like that doesn't just show up, right. You got to go no. figure out a way to make that. And other things happen as a result of that for every action, there's a reaction. Like, I had to work 300 days a year on the road, you know, for a good period of time that, you know, mm-hmm. may or may not have been a factor in, you know, my relationship with my, my ex, like that, those sorts of things. I, I don't know, but advice is you still have to do these things. Mm-hmm. So just do it. Like, just, just show up. Like, like your podcast says, like, just show up, show up and be a dad. Mm, I like that. Be I like a leader that. in your family. Yeah. Hmm. Now you said you moved, okay. From a small town to Vancouver, right? Did you have a support system that you used or anything like that? Or, um, I have, I had a lot of friends down in the, in the city and I also had some family down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to move. Like I'd spent a lot of time on the road and to be honest, I was kind of, I, I was ready to move out of the, the small town. I was ready to, for new, new adventures. Linemen, like myself, I'm not going to generalize all linemen, but myself, I had a bit of a gypsy soul. Like I, I like bouncing around, moving new job sites every day or, you know, every other month and traveling around different provinces or States. I worked in the United States as well. Like I like that. Um, so for me, moving to the big city was, it was way harder on my, my ex than it was on myself for sure to move. Mm-hmm. And why do you, why do you think that was? It was just, just because she, I same, same thing. I think it was she wanted to, I don't know. I, I'm putting words in her own mouth, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. She, she wanted to, uh, she wanted to move, but then when it actually happened, it didn't seem like it was, really what she wanted to do at the time. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of caused a lot of stress and, and I was, it was a little easier for me. I had friends down here. I was working down here now and knew a lot of people and I just kind of take it day by day and try to live in the present anyway. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, I enjoyed it. New, new opportunities down here, it's the mountains, the ocean, like I was into hiking and doing things like that. And then out on the, out on the oceans, fishing and things like that. So I don't know, it was easier for me. Did, could you say now talking about your, your, your ex, right? Did you find strength in her at all during those times? Did you, is that one of the persons you look to, to? Mm, no, it was, it was through time apart. I believe through time apart is what um, made us grow in different directions. We mm. wanted different, different things. And uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Now, with that being said, you know what I mean? Do you ever go out and like try to advocate for the condition that Hudson had or anything like that? Is there anything you tried to get involved with or anything like that awareness or anything? You know, it's something that I've started to, and thanks for asking this question. It's a great question. Um, other than the school, I, mm-hmm. I had faith in the school that the school was going to do its job and that, that it was just going to work out for him. But now looking at, what I've done with the podcast. Um, I started listening to a couple of other podcasts and had some professional athletes that 
struggle with dyslexia and um, I've just begun reaching out to some of them to see if they'd be interested in, in doing an interview and talking about it. And I, it is something I want to start bringing more awareness to. It's something I honestly have to learn more about myself as well. Mm. It's um, it's difficult because they maybe they lump it into special needs, but it's not like traditional special needs. Like he's very like I said, he's high functioning. He's the vocabulary. He's had the vocabulary of an adult since he was a little kid, like um, no issues, incredibly smart builder, creator, um, totally learned how to um, overcome and adapt to the issue that he's, that he struggles with. Um, so it's not like, it's not been difficult in that way. You're not having to def, uh, deal with a, um, you know, a disabled person, like you might be thinking about a disabled person, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you feel people now have the tendency of trying to label people or categorize people now? Like say, for instance, a hyperactive kid or whatever, they automatically want to put you on Ritalin and be like, Hey, this is what you have. You know, and what are your thoughts on that? Um, it drives me crazy. Uh, Like ADD or attention deficit disorder. Mm -hmm. I hate the word disorder in there. Like it's, it's not a disorder at all. It, it, people with ADD have brains that function four times faster than everyone else's. Like they're, they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. They just have to harness it in the right way. And unfortunately the, the system that's being created just was not, was not even thought of like dealing with kids like that or trying to teach them. There's a lot better things happening nowadays there's a lot more awareness for it there needs to be even more um we need to treat it as a society like it's not a disorder because it's not like they're, they're smart like so i, I got in a, here's a, here's a story here's an example of hudson and um overcoming like using the tools around him to just overcome his disability without even realizing so i was having this conversation with him one day while i was cooking and we were talking about learning to read. And I kept telling him like, Hudson, you know, like you don't necessarily have to have to force yourself. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. If you can't learn to read, there's tools out there that are available now with technology that can just, it's not even going to be a factor for you. You're just going to overcome as long as you have this technology around you, you're going to be able to deal with the disability. You don't, you're not going to learn. You're not going to need to force yourself to learn to read if, the, if you just can't do it, you know, and he got all mad because it's not what he heard in school and heard from the other people around him. He, everyone's telling him he needs to learn how to read. And basically if he doesn't, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. And it did that in itself is completely wrong. And so anyway, I keep cooking and he grabs his iPad. And at that time he's really into uh, world war two and he was, he was drawing and he had his iPad and he was drawing a picture and he was really into world war II, Like I said, so he, he hits Siri button on his iPad and he goes, Siri, show me German flags in world war two, world war two German flags. And I was like, aha, I gotcha. And he's like, what? I'm like, you just use technology to overcome your disability Hudson. Like you just hit that button and spoke into your device and it, showed you an image that you didn't have to type you didn't have to type that in and you got an image he's like oh oh okay kind of clicked for him in that way Mm -hmm. and i think that that's what we have to try to 
help kids and teach them in that way. Like use the stuff around you, be creative. Cause that's what you are. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to naturally be a creative. If you're a dyslexic, you're going to have to be a creative because you're going to have to create ways to overcome the system. That's mm-hmm. trying to teach you one way, you know, left to read, left to right, up, down, or down, up, like whatever, you know, like maybe your eyes bounce around. Maybe you can't make sense of words, but you know, you're really good with pictures or you're really good with your hands. Hmm. So, yeah. That's an aw- a different way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's an awesome takeaway. I mean, support teachable moments. Right. And it, it even goes into, you know, being tradesmen, being linemen. I mean, there's apprentices out there that aren't going to learn the same way you learned. You know what I mean? It's up to us. A good teacher finds ways, right. To convey the message we're trying to teach to them through things that they can relate to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I think that's, that's awesome that you're utilizing that in your son, you know, I talk about this, this quite a bit on the podcast, as far as the tradesmen go, like I, I want to advocate and I want to make sure, because I think that we were losing it potentially a little bit, but that apprentice master relationship, you know, as tradesmen and women that we are, we have journey person, journeyman and apprentice. Okay. Um, we need to make sure we uphold that journeyman, that master, like we, we are the master, but not be so arrogant that we can't pass stuff down, not be so brutal to our apprentices that they they feel beat down and unable to learn or unable to speak up or unable to ask questions, or we don't have the time for them. We were losing that from what I was getting, what I was hearing. We were, we were losing that journeymen were starting to have no time for apprentices, but like, come on, man. Like you were an apprentice once too. Like you were an apprentice and don't tell me you never made a mistake in your life. You know, even as a journeyman, like mm-hmm. you make mistakes every day, like apprentices need to be taught and they need to be taught by the masters, mm-hmm. the masters at the craft. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think that goes along too, Ryan, just to touch on that, you know, as a, as a lineman, right. As a journeyman, as a craftsman, you know, people look at us, our apprentices look at us, right. You know, I remember the first time taking an apprentice up in the air in the bucket, you know, and I'm a brand new journeyman and I'm taking up in the bucket. And for the first time, that kid is looking at you like, what are we going to do? And they got that, 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 you know, cow in the freaking, you know, like a cow looks at a brand new cattle guard look, you know, on their face and they're looking at you and you're looking at them. And, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a saying that my brother used to always say, there's nothing smarter than a seven step apprentice, nothing dumber than a first year lineman. Right. I'm sure you've heard that. 100%. And, uh, you know, and it, it, it's absolutely true. Now you got this kid's life potentially in your hands. Right. Yeah. And they're looking to you. So why not be that example instead of turning them away and, 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 you know, just being that jerk who I don't got time for you or send me an apprentice that can learn or whatever, you know, take that time. I mean, obviously not everybody can do our job. Not everyone should be alignment. And I've ran into plenty of those dudes where I'm like, dude, you really should think about another trade. Yeah. We've, we've all had those, right? Yeah. But when you've actually given the work and you're putting in that time, you know, how many, how many of us can say we're actually putting in our time to, to actually teach these kids, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not even talking about not being hard on, on apprentices no. either. Like there's like, go ahead be hard on them. Like be hard on them right to the end. If that's what it, you know, like some, some guys need that, 
some guys need that push, need that, like, oh man, this guy's going to be mad at me if I do this or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can do it in a way where you're teaching them as well. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can do it in a way where, where you're, where you're bringing them along like you're supposed to as a tradesman, mm -hmm. like apprentice master. You didn't like back in the day as an iron worker, you know, like building knives or swords for battle or whatever. You're a craftsman. Like it's, like, it's your craft to build these swords. And you had somebody that you brought along to teach that person was right beside you all day, every day. They did, they did all the grunt work for you, which is good. They need to do that. They do it all because that's, that's the dues you pay to get there. Mm -hmm. You're going to work your butt off, but I'm going to, I'm going to treat you properly. I'm going to treat you like an apprentice should, should be treated, you know, and I'm going to teach you how to do this craft. Mm -hmm. But now that I say this as well, it goes both ways. So like you did say, you've ran into a lot of, you know, a few apprentices in your day where you've like, this isn't really your deal. Apprentices needed to respect it back the other way as well. Like respect the person teaching you. There's a lot of it out there where you can see that in apprentices. Apprentices get the, you know, the chest up and I'm mm -hmm. in this high paying good gig job and I'm, you know, making all this money and blah, 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 whatever. I'm a lineman. No, you're not. You're an apprentice. Mm -hmm. You can be proud to be an apprentice lineman. That's fine. You can say, you can tell people I'm an apprentice lineman. Don't go around telling them you're a lineman because you're not yet. Like respect that, respect that part of it too. And, and enjoy that process. Mm. No, that's, that's interesting that you said that because um, I remember a couple of times, a couple of guys I worked with, we got these apprentices and you could always tell an apprentice on a job because the lineman will have a beat down freaking little beater car. You know what I mean? Saves gas. You know what I mean? <laughs> Going to the job, you know, he's, he's all roughed up and everything, you know, probably hung over from the next day. And then you see these apprentices and you could always tell them because they have these $60,000 trucks, brand new. <laughs> they got journeyman linemen with hooks on the back of their truck sticker, you know, and uh, one of the guys I work with went over there and he took a razor blade and he, he, he cut that off. He's like, you're not a journeyman lineman. And the apprentice was pissed. You know what I mean? He was like, what the hell are you doing? And all the line hands stood up and they're like, oh, dude, don't ever put that shit on over here yeah. at our site. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's that level of respect you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in order to have that respect too, though, I think you got to look the part too. You know, that's part of being a leader. You know what I mean? You can't be one of these guys who says, do what I say, don't do what I do, you know, cause that's a, that's a, even in fatherhood, we can't do that. Cause we're sending a, a mixed message. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, especially in fatherhood. Like you want to take it that you want to take it the next level. Um, fatherhood's where you need to be different. Like you need to show up differently for fatherhood. Even, you know, your apprentice, even though your apprentice is your apprentice and his life is in your hands and yeah, you should treat everyone equal. It's different when it's your kids. Like you, you need to be different for them mm -hmm. and show up differently. Definitely don't definitely not into um, just do as I say, you know, like um, you need to, you need to lead by example. I, that's what I try to do anyway. I just try to lead by example and lead, lead with humility as well. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm not, I'm not the best father. I'm not the best human. I'm not the best man. I'm striving to be it. I, I do things every day. I listen to podcasts. I read, 
I read books, I learn, I take notes, I write in a journal, I set goals, I, you know, exercise, I do all the things I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but I also have faults, mm -hmm. you know, and they see that I want them to see both because that's life. That's real. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not fake. I'm not going to fake it in front of them. This is real life. This is because if you fake it, when they hit, when they hit manhood and they're a man now, and they're out of school and they're trying to figure their life out. They're in a relationship. They're having kids of their own. They're finding out a career. And if you faked it, like how, how crappy is that going to feel when they point it out later in life? But I, I'd rather have that conversation with them later when I can have it now. And they go, yeah, dad, you know, like I, I saw what you struggled with. Mm -hmm. Like we, we were witness to it. I, I didn't understand it then but you know, I'm willing to talk about it now, you know? Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's being vulnerable. I like that. You know what I mean? Cause um, too many of us are taught not to show our emotions as men, right? You know, yeah. if, if you get hurt, what do they tell you? Rub some dirt on it, kid. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how many times I've been to work and, you know, I, I had to go to the doctors eventually because they're like, dude, you have pneumonia. Your lung's about to collapse. And I'm over there up 100 foot in the air on a steel structure. You know what I mean? And I'm all right, you know, because why we get this in idea that, hey, I'm a man. I got to work. I got to provide. Right. And we got to show our kids at one point that, hey, man, we're vulnerable too. you know, it's OK to cry. I mean, that's what we were talking about the other day on one of our podcasts. It's dude. We need to change that culture and it starts at the home. Yeah. Don't be afraid to like, don't be afraid to, to change things up and do things. It goes back to that self-awareness thing we talked about earlier. Like be self-aware. Um, what are your likes? Like, what do you want to do? What are you feeling like you need to do? Like if you need to change up, change up career or bad relationship or whatever, like be okay with it. Like seek help, do the things you need to do, but don't like, it's better to show them reality. I believe it's better mm -hmm. to show them what's real and what's reality than fake it. than then, then fake a, a relationship. That's not, you know, subpar, like, cause you, you end up 50 years down the road and you're fighting like cats and dogs and miserable. And you like, you wasted a life faking it. Like, just be real. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely true. Cause obviously you can't tell a two-year-old what's going on. Right. Yeah. But when they get to that level of understanding, you know, you got to let them know they see it. They know it. They, they feel the tension. You know what I mean? You know, you could walk in a room and see if there's tension going on. You could feel that tension. You know what I mean? So that's going to have a negative effect too. If you don't address that issue, it's that thing that everybody doesn't want to talk about that elephant in the room per se. You know what I mean? So it, it's better to be, like you said, just get it out of the open be like, look, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. I'm being transparent with you. I'm not a perfect father, you know, like we advocate on the show up dad. There's no such thing as being a perfect dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard work. You know oh, what I mean? Man. Yeah, it is. It is definitely hard work. How has being a father changed your outlook on life, brother? How's being a father changed my outlook on life? It's well, it's made me think about all these things we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. Um, it's it, they're probably things that I may not have even thought about or considered, or, you know, I think differently about things like leadership and how to 
how to relay and reflect that back on, on my family and raising my kids as well as in, in life. Um, so it's completely changed my outlook on things. Like uh, it's made me more vulnerable, more vulnerable, more, more humility. Um, it's made me more transparent because these are all the things that, that I want to, they make me want to be this in front of them so that it's, it's like, I want to, sh- I want to show up for them in this way so that they can learn to be this way when they're men as well, because mm-hmm. I believe that this is really what makes a, a true man. It's combining both masculine and feminine energies, you know, like it's being both. It's not just going, I'm just the man. Ugh. It's all like, nobody wants to be around that. That's like, that's the military. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't raise a family that way. Like you could try. There's lots of people that have, and maybe that works for you. Good, but good luck too. You know, like you got to combine the softness in there as well. So. Yeah. yeah. You got to, you got to find that balance. Definitely. You know what I mean? That's a, that's something where I lacked in my life. You know what I mean? I didn't have a balance. I, I'm very extreme. I mean, even to the point where if it was drinking, guess what? I was going to drink that 30 pack, you know, cause my mama didn't raise no quitter. You know what I mean? Type of deal, you know? <laughs> so you, you definitely got to have alignment, <laughs> right? I'm a journeyman. Lineman. <laughs> Do you even three phase bro? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you got to have that balance. You know what I mean? And I think that comes with just being self-aware, right? And uh, I'm going to say this quote. I really, really like it. Uh, Sir John Templeton wrote it. And uh, it says that self-improvement comes mainly from trying to help others. And I firmly believe that, dude. When you're trying with your honest self and you're, you're out there trying to, to bring awareness and try to help people instead of giving people a handout, you're giving them a hand up. You know what I mean? You're going to have self-improvement. There's going to be growth that comes out of it. There's going to be fruit that comes out of that. You know what I mean? This is where not only being becoming a journeyman lineman and going through different levels of leadership within the trade, mm-hmm. um, you know, for different levels of foremanship and le- management and leadership that way um, taught you that, but also podcasting has, has taught me that because it's, it's again, like w- when you've invested in learning these things. So I learned some things within a trade and then I've learned a set of other things through self-development and, and becoming more self-aware and teaching myself and now translating that into teaching others. That's what I try to, I try to put that into podcasting. So in the beginning, Powerline podcast was, was really just, I just wanted to capture the stories of Lyman because we, you know, have, we visit cool places, we do cool work and we meet cool people. I wanted to capture that in a modern way, but through this, you begin to realize that you gain a bit of a, a bit of a following. There's people listening. So I want to help them. I, you have some influence. Mm-hmm. I want to help in a positive way. So you bring on, you bring on, it brings on more self-development too, because you're trying to learn how you can better serve this community that's listening to you. They're giving up their time to listen to you. Like that's amazing. It blows my mind. I'm grateful for each and every one of them that decide to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just throw stuff out there and it's listened to. So I feel like I have to serve them in a way, the, be- the best way I can. Mm-hmm. So I try to learn new things myself and I try to translate that into the questions that I ask the guests on the show. And then I try to bring 
uh, you know, guests from other genres that to, to introduce them to things like um, mental health and, you know, physical health and uh, finances and just whatever I'm open to whatever, but, but that's, that's what I'm learning through podcasting. No, no. And I, I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely opened up so many different avenues, you know what I mean? And when you do have, and you know, we're talking about John Maxwell, right. And he talks about leadership. Well, leadership is influence. When you start getting that following, you're having influence over those lives. So why not bring as much value to the table to our listeners? That's, that's what I try to do as well. I try to give them as much value as possible, you know what I mean? To, to help this community that I love, you know, and that you love, you know, um, we've given so much of our time, blood, sweat, and tears to this community, you know, now it's time to, you know what I mean? It, it's given back to us, right? So yeah. now it's time for us to give back to the community that we love, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. What is one thing I could ask you, Ryan, right now? I know the time's getting short. What is something I could ask you right now that could help our listeners is that um, if you were to see yourself 10 years back, okay, mm -hmm. what bit of advice would you give yourself? Yeah. Wow. That's a hindsight question. That's a, that's a good question. What advice would I give myself 10 years ago? Um, okay. Here's one advice I'd give myself as a, I don't know if it was the, the gypsy soul, the lineman's spirit, the, the lineman job of moving around, you know, it, you get this thing sometimes as a, as a lineman and a lineman chasing jobs that it's, it's next job, next job, next job, you know, like I want to do the next thing. And the past is the past. It's already happened. It's a memory. The future is imagined. Like it hasn't happened yet. And all you really have is the present. I would tell myself 10 years ago to just be more present in every situation, every mm. more present with your kids more present with every relationship because re really relationships are the only thing that matters in the end is relationships with people. All the rest of it's just material. It's, it's relationships that matter. So I would be more present and just be there for every relationship that you have and be there for yourself as well. Being present is there, is there for you and, and it's being selfish, but be selfish, you know, like in a good way, be selfish, be there for yourself as well, because if you can't show up for yourself, you can't show up for anyone else. So I'd say, I'd say be present, be more present. Something I've learned now that, um, that I, I may not have known quite a, too much about back then. I, I really like that. I do. Um, you're absolutely right on, on being present. You know what I mean? That's one of the uh, things we talk about all the time through our, our fatherhood program. You know what I mean? we got this program called, you know, fathering at 15 and it, talks about 15 steps uh, they know everything that happens in fatherhood and it's 15 minutes it's something that's real simple it's really easy to to obtain it's on the internet you know what i mean and uh, it, it's really purpose driven to towards fathers who are extremely busy like we were you know what i mean yep but uh, that's one of the core things that it talks about is just living a purpose life you know what i mean be intentional is what we say you know but uh, i just wanted to ask you one more thing brother I saw this inter interesting post on Instagram where it talked about you're doing this resume deal. And I just yeah. want to have you talk a little bit about that. Cause I think it's a great idea, brother. Sure. Yeah. I, I want to find ways to, again, just add value. Like you were talking about, mm -hmm. I spent 
I spent five years in various forms of resource management after I spent 15 years on the tools and then moved into an office type role and did some resource managing. And, and, you know, I got a little bit hit up by some of the union guys on, on the gram. Um, I just don't think quite understanding what I was trying to do. So it's, it's me got to put the message out a little bit better. So thanks for asking me about it because um, the union guys are like, well, why do we need to do this? We just, you know, show up at the hall and, you know, check in the books and you get out to the job, you know, boom. But there's more to it than that. Like, so people, some people are also saying that resumes are working their way out and they're not really needed now. But I, I disagree in a way because when I was working for this contractor, we put together resumes. I, I was involved with writing internal resumes for our linemen, union linemen, 350 union linemen. I would write, resumes for each and every one of them internally to go on things like bid documents. And, and it was so beneficial when a line, when I could phone up a lineman that was working for us and say, Hey, do you have a resume? It, it gave me a starting point. It gave me some highlights from their own career, uh, a place to start because what I was, what we were trying to do was win work. We were trying to keep the lineman for our company busy. So I'm just trying to help the pro the process as well as the individual. So the process is it helps internally when a company's going to, you know, put their best um, their best foot forward by showing what resources they have and what their capabilities of their resources is. If they know it, then they put that forward and it, it really helps win work. And then in the same, the same sense, I think everybody, whether you use a resume or not, should sit down and go through the process of writing it because it makes you think back like on all of your achievements and maybe, maybe people are like, ah, whatever. It doesn't, it's no big deal to me. I don't, don't even think about that, but I found it like a really like great process. I, I, I was proud of those things. Like I am proud of those things I did and I liked seeing them, you know, like you, you can choose to put which ones you want at the top and the bottom and, and the way I have it laid out, it, it goes that way. And anyway, so I just put together a little mini course on how to do this. And in no way is it perfect. It's really affordable. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to throw it out there to rip anybody off. It's just, just get my time back in it. And it's really just to help people get, get in that mindset and go through that process of sitting down and writing their life out, their, their career out in a, in a story, right? Mm -hmm. And in turn, that's going to help them, hopefully help them get work mm -hmm. and get work in, in multiple ways, maybe get the job they, they want to get and then maybe help the company get the job that they need to get too. So that's what that was all about. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, no, no worries, bro. And the reason why I brought it up is because I, I thought it was highly valuable. You know what I mean? Um, especially with these older guys, I, I work with a lot of hands that are, you know, starting to get up there, you know, for, for whatever reason, they're on their fourth divorce or whatever, you know what I mean? They can't afford to retire. Okay. So, mm -hmm. Now they're stuck with tremendous amount of knowledge. You know, some of these guys, you just want to open up their head and take what they know and put it in your head. Right. Because there's <laughs> such, they're, they're, they're so needed in our craft today. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're out the door. You know what I mean? Some of these guys, you know, I mean, we see it all the time out in the field. You got these apprentices who top out next week. They're a freaking foreman. Yeah. And then you got this guy with 25, 30 years. That's their lineman for him. And the way they has it, it's, it's unbalanced. It's not the way I grew up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
but you're seeing that now. And the reason being is because these old guys have the knowledge to keep these young guys from getting themselves in a bind. And that's the truth. I don't care if they get mad at me or whatever. That's the honest truth. You know what I mean? Been there, done that, have the shirt. I've seen it. You know what I mean? So these older guys, they don't know what to do. I mean, they're not computer savvy. I don't know how many times I sit down with other foremen and they're looking at me like, Hey Dave, how do I get into this? And I'm, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> know some stuff, you know what I mean? Cause I did have a career before being a lineman, you know, so I would open it up. I'd show them, okay, this is where this feeder is going and stuff like that. And they're like, how do you know this? It's like, dude, I had a degree. I served in the military. You know what I mean? I had a degree before I came into the line trade, you know what I mean? But only through that did I knew the value of what I went through, you know, you know what I'm saying? And it's, imp- it's important to, to have these resumes, like you say, to showcase yourself. That's what you're doing. You're showcasing yeah. your attributes. That's all it is. You know what we I mean? We do, we do, um, as linemen, I, like I said, I, five years, I, I read thousands of resumes, um, and hired hundreds of line workers of all forms. So we, we are not good at writing resumes and there's a resume needs to be looked at like, like almost like a funnel like a click funnel. Mm-hmm. All right. You start at the top and most resumes are going to be read from the top down. And so you really need to come into it like with a hook and keep it simple. And this is what, like when you Google how to write a resume, they're not, you're not going to get this information out of it. They, they throw the generic stuff in there, like things like objectives. I threw a post out about this the other day, a couple things not to do on a resume. Mm-hmm. One thing not to put on a resume is an objective. Don't start. If you're, if you're going top down, usually near the top is a summary. So the beginning of the summary, if you start with an objective, you've already lost me. It's it, an, an example of that is it's my objective to seek employment as a blah, blah, blah with this comp with your company. Yeah, of course that's your, your you've wasted an entire sentence or more telling me something I already know I'm already in today's world of social media and you have less than three seconds to hook somebody and get their attention. You've just wasted two of them. So the the next sentence better be, better be good. Mm -hmm. You know? So I just go through things like that, like um, simple little things that people just don't think about, you know, Mm. up at the top, even right up at the top of the resume at uh, like your name. Just use your first and last name. You don't need three, four names up there and you don't need three or four phone numbers. Just give the one that's most easy to reach you on your cell phone. Mm. And then let's talk about the phone for a second. When that hiring manager gives you a call, do you have a ridiculous voicemail on the end of that? (laughs) Hey, it's John. We're going to get loaded this week. No, like have a professional voicemail. Take the time to do that. So it's a bunch of little things like that that can really make a big difference. And like I said, I just, I, I want to help the trade. If anyone wants to check it out, it's electriclifemp.com. You can go there and get the information on that and, uh, and check it out. They can also find it off of powerlinepodcast.com as well. And there's a little video on there and you can check it out. Like I said, it's really affordable. So yeah. Well, right on Ryan. Thank you so much. And that was the next thing I was going to ask how people could find you. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And stuff like that. <laughs> Sure. Well, I'm all, I'm all over social media. So, uh, a big, big believer in 
trying to make content for people and add value that way. Try to add value every day in the best way that I can. Um, so you can find me at Powerline Podcast on Instagram. And you can find me on TikTok at Ryan W. Lucas. And just, just search Ryan W. Lucas on most other social platforms and you'll find me there. And PowerlinePodcast.com. Hmm. Well, right on. Thank you for coming out to the show today, Ryan. I know people are going to just, you know, really love all the content you put out. I mean, you put out a lot of value today. We talked about a lot of different subjects, dude. And I thank you for being transparent on the show, bro. I really Thanks, do. Man. I really appreciate you having me on. It was good to do this. I like doing it. So thank you. All right. On. Well, you have a blessed day, brother. Roger.